The Jen, Gabe and Chewy podcast is sponsored by Celsius Energy Drink, and I am here to tell you it makes a huge difference in my mornings. With a unique blend of essential energy and key vitamins, Celsius is your partner to an active lifestyle. My favorite, the peach vibe. Learn more at Celsius.com and pick up Celsius Energy Drinks today. Showtime. The right way to start your day. This is Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. But can you do it without calling out a player? Because yeah. if he says no, then, well, who's a no? Oh, man, we got to pop by the department store, pick up the mattress. I'm going to get a nice one, too. Yeah. The, the, the what? The mattress? What do we need a mattress for? What do, you, what do we need a mattress for? Why in the hell do you think we just spent all that money on a boat? I don't think yeah. you want to put yourself in a position where you make indications that certain position groups weren't good enough, and then you have to bring some of those guys But back. isn't that the implication? Right. You've said that word implication a couple of times. What, what implication? It is Isn't absolutely. The implication already that Halfley has to do things differently slash better? Well, don't you look at me like that. You certainly wouldn't be in any danger. So they are in danger. No one's in any danger. How can I make that any more clear to you? Okay, it's an implication of danger. Right, but if he's not very specific and say he talks heavily about the safety position needing improvement, people can quickly look and be like, well... This isn't who he wants. This is Jen, Gabe, and Chewy, broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All Studios at the Avenue with Gabe Neitzel and Mark Chamara. Here's Jen Latta. As far as introductions go, I thought yesterday's introduction to Jeff Halfley went pretty freaking well. Yesterday, Packers fans got to hear from the new defensive coordinator, the boss on defense, El Jefe on defense. El Jefe on defense. Can we call him El Jefe? I might call him El Jefe. I understand what you might do. <laughs> yeah, your nicknames aren't good. <laughs> yeah, but but shooters got to shoot you, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're, you're not right. a shooter. You, yeah, you yeah. in order to be 100 percent of the shots you don't take. In order to be known as a shooter, you got to make one at least every once in a while. <laughs> well, we're gonna get there, okay? Just gotta get the lid off the basket. <laughs> Otherwise, um, now you're just a chucker. Uh, is chucker a nickname? I'd be okay with being a chucker. El Jefe spoke yesterday to the Green Bay Packers media, and I, there were a lot of people paying attention. A lot of people wanting to know what the difference was going to be between Jeff Halfley and the former regime. Guys, I thought he did a heck of a job. I thought he, he spoke eloquently. I thought he spoke passionately. I thought the passion for football was oozing out of him up there at that podium. He obviously addressed why he chose to leave Boston College, the head coaching position for a defensive coordinator in the NFL. And I know that answer got a lot of people all jazzed up. A lot of people excited about him calling Lambeau Field and the Green Bay Packers the mecca of football. Yeah, but I think he gave the real answer later, right? When he's talking about watching film and how he's watched more film in the last week and a half than he did in the previous four months. I think, yeah. he, gave, I think he gave the real answer to that question a little bit later, which, again, should still have you excited because he's excited about getting back to coaching. So, Chu, we talk a lot about people winning the introductory press conference and how it really means nothing. But yeah. I think a lot of people got to see who Jeff Halfley is, what excites him, to Gabe's point about watching film. He's been watching a lot of film. He's staying in Green Bay at one of the hotels. His family's still back in Boston. He's going to go back this weekend, a little bit of back-and-forth action. But it does seem like 
there is a passion, and I think this was the thing that I took away from it, and it is, it is consistent with what I had heard from people in the college football space, whether that be coaches in the space, whether that be analysts in the space, whether that be reporters in the space who covered Halfley regularly. They all said collaboration is key for him. He doesn't think he's the smartest guy in the room. He is willing to take ideas and suggestions from players, from other coaches, to figure out what puts the team in the best position for success. I feel like, too, that's really all you can ask for. And that's how it should be. Um, Because defense typically has to play with more energy than the offense. Uh, Just from the standpoint, because the offense knows where it's going. It knows what it wants to do. And a lot of times the defense is playing catch-up. Um, and, and we talked I, I mean, the amount of, we talk about it every year with the Packers since I don't know when. They're going to miss tackles early in the season, which they do, because I don't think they attack training camp the right way. And I see Halfley going in, and you're going to see – you won't see yelling. You might see from uh, linebacker boy there have a little meltdown every now and then. But you're just going to feel energy and see energy. You know, the guy from New Jersey screams, yeah. No, hold on. Is there <laughs> any chance you know his name? I think it's like a kind of pasta. <laughs> okay, let's work with that. What kind of pasta? Spaghetti, linguine. Ca- no, there's a campanelli or oh, cantanola, cantanoli or Chewy was right. Holy Campanelli? Chewy was right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it's Anthony, which you should remember because you have a Tony in your family. Yes, that is true. So remember, um, just try to hold on to those two. But it sounds like he's going to play with a lot of energy, and guys are going to be assignment correct, which there was a, a, a stint during Joe Barry's uh, tenure where it seemed like guys didn't know what the hell they were doing. So I think... He is not going to tolerate that, which he shouldn't. You know, physical mistakes, when I played, physical mistakes are going to happen. The, and Frank Winters, 52, would always say, hey, the other guy's getting paid too. He's going to make some plays. It's the mental errors that drives coaches nuts, and I don't think you're going to see a lot of that. And if you do, that player isn't going to be here long. I absolutely love it. Like, my favorite thing from yesterday is the one thing I've wanted to hear from defensive coaches for a long time. Because offense, I understand, is, you know, true. Like, you have your scheme. These are the things we do, and now we try to get our players to fit this, right? Like, you kind of have a scheme you work around. Defense, as you said, like, defense needs to be more flexible. Defense needs to be more malleable. And that's where the way Halfley talked about his defense yesterday, like, it doesn't seem like he has a defense. Joe Barry had, this is what we do. This is, and this yeah. is how we run it. The buck stops here. That's not what, and not that there's not accountability in terms of the buck stopping here with Halfley, but it seems like he's more open to changing things if the personnel he has doesn't fit exactly what he wants to do. So let's hear from Halfley on that, because Halfley did speak about what it is he's looking for in players and what his scheme, quote-unquote, will look like in Green Bay. The things I believe in defense, or whether you're playing 3-4, 4-3, press man, which I do love, zone coverage, vision and break, quarters match, I mean, it comes down to can you can you take your players who you have and put them in the best position to succeed, and can you take your players and maximize their ability? Like every player wants to get better, and that's our job to do. Our job is to put the players in the best position to succeed and make plays, and that's through scheme, right? People can say that a lot of the scheme is simpler, but it's it's very detailed. We try to make it simple for the players so they can play fast, so they don't have to 
things. So they can be confident and not be afraid to make mistakes. So I can get them the information, we can get them the information that they need so they can go out there and be fearless and play with their hair on fire and just run and hit and cover and get off blocks and tackle. I mean, that's the beauty of this game. And we got guys that can press. Let's line up and get our hands on people. I love it. Yeah. I, I just, I absolutely love it, Sure, because that to me is, hey, maybe I want to do this. I want to do press man, but I don't have enough corners that can do that. So now I'm going to figure out a way to put you in the best position to succeed because trying to make you do something you're not good at, that's not doing anybody sure. any yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. You know what he is, guys? He's a teacher. I know that might be yes. oversimplifying, but the yes. way he was presenting all of his ideas and philosophies, he's, he's a teacher. And that lines up with what I heard from people in the college football space. He's a great teacher. He makes it so that it is palatable, that it is consumable. The guys can take the information and then turn it into success on the field. So, I mean, listen... I went into it thinking from the people I spoke to that this was going to be a good thing. Obviously, the proof is in the pudding. We got to wait until he gets out on the field. We got to wait to see if, in fact, he can take the personnel that he currently has and turn it into gold, spin it into gold, Rumpelstiltskin style. But everything right now, today, after the introductory press conference game, is trending upward for this defense. Yeah, that this is what this is what you were hoping for if you're a Packer. Now, now the next thing is. There was a very specific position that he was talking about, the post-safety. The post-safety position is something that he was talking about yesterday, and he was talking about just like all of the things he wants that guy to do. It was a very lengthy list, if I remember correctly. Wasn't it, Joshy? Yes, he included basically a list of things that made you think we need a Hall of Fame safety. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but the one thing... Oh, that's all... That, I mean, Chewy, we can find that anywhere, right? Yeah, but yeah, I was just going to say that, Gabe. But the one thing I like is he recognizes... Because, Gabe, how many five-tool guys are there in baseball? Not many. Not many. You know what? There's not a lot of five-tool guys in football, too. And I just go back to my playing career when Keith Jackson came in. And, obviously, Keith took away a lot of uh, my passing plays because he's a better route runner than I am. You get butt hurt over it at the time, but you realize, hey, you know what? Keith's a little better route runner than I am. Why don't I let him run the route? So and I think that's the track he's going to go down. He's going to go, look, there's not a lot of five-tool NFL players. If this player that sits on the bench does this one coverage better, then he's going to play. He's not going to try to for You know, it's it's the old, what, square peg and round hole? He's yeah, not going to do that. <laughs> so let's take a listen to Halfley, who is describing. He's off to a hot start. He's off to a hot start. It's just a shame that it's too. Friday and then we don't get this, you know, <laughs> till next I mean, Wednesday, yeah. maybe. <laughs> Thursday night helps. Yeah. <laughs> let's hear from Halfley, who is talking about what he is looking for in that post safety position. I want a guy who can erase things. He, we got to eliminate explosive plays when we play this defense. So if a run hits up the middle, this guy's got to come out of the middle field with his hair on fire. He's got to be able to get a guy down. I also want him to be a guy when a ball carrier's wrapped up, he goes and he finishes off the pile. I want a guy who can go from sideline to sideline and take the ball away. I think that position has to be a guy with high ball production, meaning he's got to be able to intercept the ball. Um, He's got to be a guy that can communicate, and he's got to be a guy that can get guys lined up and make some calls back there. And I'd love a guy who can play man, so I guess I'm describing the perfect player to you. Um, but those are some of the traits that I would look for in playing that position. There's going to be a Richard period. 
where guys really don't like them. That's fine. Wait, there what, is. what makes Be- you say that? Because he's got to kind of tear it down and then build it back up. I mean, you're going to get some resistance. The one thing in training camp that defensive players hated was the chase the ball drill where coaches line up um, all around the field, some deep, some wide, some here, and everyone has to get to the ball as quick as possible. That's what he's talking about, you know? So the D linemen are going to be ticked off when the coach throws it to a coach that's deep, and he's got a haul ass uh, 50 yards down the field to touch off the guy that has the ball. And there's going to be resistance. They're going to be, well, we didn't do this with Joe Barry. You know where it happened to me? With Coughlin. When Coughlin went to BC, because we were country club, and I think I told this story. This is right after the Giants uh, beat Buffalo in that whatever Super Bowl it was, and we were in the middle of winter workouts, right? It's still in our country club. The only coach we had was a strength and conditioning coach that they kept. And it was country club. And he walks in at 5 in the morning when we're having – uh, our workouts, and there was a guy taking a dump in um, the bathroom, and he walked in and kicked the door in, and you could hear it. And he said, I don't care if you bleep down your leg. Get in. We're like, oh, boy, this is going to be a little bit different. So there's going to be that phase with Halfley. He did, however, talk yesterday, too, about how it, it is important to him to build relationships first. Right, which sounds a little like what you hear at the collegiate level, right? Recognizing mm-hmm. the relationships. We talk about that a lot with Marquette, of course, and Shaka Smart. But he did talk about how they won't trust him until they have a relationship. So I wonder if that will also maybe keep it from that Richard period that you mentioned a few moments ago. I wonder if that will at least ease the transition a little bit if he is prioritizing relationships as he continues to go through film and figure out what guys' strengths and weaknesses are game. How do you build those relationships during the offseason, though? Because there's only so much, like, I mean, I guess you can call guys. It's not like everybody's in Green Bay right now. Plus, the other thing is, like, I mean, especially at that safety position, I believe they only have a couple guys under contract. Like the guys who played mostly at that position are are free well, agents. So you don't you don't even know who's yeah. going to be there. And then those OTA periods are so quick hitting and shorts. I wonder how much you can do relationship building there before you want to really start going in in training camp. Well, the first thing he has to determine is who's the leader of this defense. Let's say Preston Smith leaves the free agency or whatever. Who's your leader? Jair? And I think that's tough to do remotely. Yeah, it, it is. But the first call I would make would probably be to Jair and Hey, how you doing? And then, all right, let's get down to brass tacks this year. Stop acting like a butthole and start leading this defense. Am I right? Yeah, it's him or Kenny. I think you can deliver the message Gary. differently, perhaps. But yes, the sentiment. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Yes, but, maybe uh, the but, old stop. You don't being think he's going to use the word butthole? Stop being <laughs> butthole, uh, or even anything of the of the like. I feel like might not have the results you're hoping but, for. But they have to determine who's the leader of this defense. Well, who do you think it is? I, I have no idea. I was going to say. I mean, Kenny Clark. Music. <laughs> Kenny mm. Kenny Clark. I mean, he doesn't seem. I think the vocal leaders were Sean Gary. We've seen him address so? the team multiple times, like the whole okay. team. That I think, like Kenny's the lead by example type guy. We all have heard about Jair. He's not necessarily the most vocal. He's quirky in ways. I think the you rah rah, follow my lead. I'm going to take us there is Rashawn Gary. Okay, and then you need rather, guy, you honestly, need guys though, to follow. I'd rather have him focus on himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's getting better. 
rehabbing his leg. Like, because that's the other thing when it comes to Rashawn. Like, I'd I'd rather him focus on you know getting to double digit sacks for the first time in his career. I mean, yeah. who's the A player? But I think we've mentioned the three that are expected to be A players. Yeah, the three that are get, the three that are getting paid like A players. I think that the pregnant pauses in the conversation are very indicative of where we are <laughs> as it relates to this defense. We got to take a break here on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. We got Jason Wildy coming up, followed by Craig Carmas in a very busy Friday. We're also going to talk about the bat and balls issue that Major League Baseball has, and it's not the bat and balls issue that you might think that it is. It's totally different. Plus, we can reach you coming up on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Ewald always makes it easy, and it's showtime. Right here in Milwaukee, which means it's the best time to shop the newest cars, trucks, and SUVs. But you don't have to wait until that auto show. You can experience all your favorite models at your nearest Ewald right now. And get special auto show savings with top dollar for your trade-in on over 700 new vehicles in stock. Matched by Ewald's exclusive 20-year, 200,000-mile warranty. It's going on right now during Ewald's auto show sales events. I've had multiple people this week here reach out to me. Hey, Want to go to, uh, you know, what's a good Ewald to go to? Hey, I'm looking for this. Can I go to Ewald? Of course you can go to Ewald. And Ewald makes it easy. For you, you just got to go to EwaldAuto.com. Ready, down, put, 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 put. All Packers, all the time. He has come light years in the last two months, and people should be over the moon excited about that. Okay, most of the time. Almonds specifically or all nuts? Well, these nuts, those nuts, whatever nuts work. It's Jason Wildy on Jen, Gabe, and Chew. Brought to you by Boucher Automotive. With 16 different new car brands and over 35 pre-owned brands to choose from. Boucher Automotive. We are driven by you. It's a good day to talk to our friend and teammate Jason Wildy. Especially after he was there when Jeff Halfley addressed the media for the first time in Green Bay. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, everyone. How are you? I was wondering if you have seen Jurassic Park. Not recently. You mean the movie or like the actual theme park where those uh, dinosaurs are running around? Uh, The movie. Is the theme park a real thing? I don't think it's a real thing. No, there's not dinosaurs in the theme park. Thank you. I appreciate uh-huh. you clar- clarifying that <laughs> you for us, Joshy. Uh, no, the movie. The movie. The reason I ask is because we were just talking about all of the things that Jeff Halfley is looking for in his post-safety. And I was wondering if he's hoping that that technology that they used in Jurassic Park, you know, where they pulled the DNA out of the mosquito in the amber mm. to make the dinosaurs, was how he was going to create this unicorn player. I was kind of hoping that I successfully had given you pause to consider whether or not the Jurassic Park theme park actually <laughs> So that was a win for me. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, look, he, he acknowledged at the end of that answer that he was basically describing the perfect player. And there's been a few of those. I mean, you know, I, I, I know he's busy with head and shoulders commercials and has been out of the league for a while, but Troy Palomalu probably fits that mold. There's probably a few others over the years and uh the packers don't have anyone on their roster that does in fact uh they don't have that many safeties on their roster at all that are under contract but you know i i think what was more important in that answer and kind of in the overarching conversation that we had with him yesterday was the style of play that he's looking for and I thought the most telling thing, and, and when LaFleur said it, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, you know, my little antenna went up as a reporter saying, we got to follow up on this. 
he kept talking about vision to the football. And vision to the football, as Chewy well knows, is not press man coverage. I mean, I learned uh, very early in my career covering Al Harris that because of the constant press man coverage, which obviously did not work very well in the 2007 NFC Championship game when they kept back shouldering him with Plaxico Burris, but you don't have vision to the football. And as a result, it's hard to intercept passes. I mean, I think, I think Al went to three Pro Bowls, and most seasons he only had like two interceptions because that's just not what press man coverage allows you to do. And so when LaFleur said that, you knew that meant that they're going to play a pretty significant amount of zone coverage. And then uh, Halfley talked about vision and break, which – you know, he wants to play a style that they are going to be in zone coverage, but as soon as the ball is thrown, that they're going to have two or three guys who are able to converge on where the ball is going. So it's a more aggressive style of zone coverage. So I thought yesterday was really illuminating. Um, yeah, I know he described a unicorn player, but the bottom line is is that safety is really important in what they're going to do, and they're going to have to find somebody who can play that position, perhaps not perfectly, like the guy he described, but somebody who could play it better than the guys that have played it in recent years. Jason, we talk about Doc Rivers with the Bucks giving him a grace period, giving him time to implement his system with the Bucks. How much time do we give Halfley to get the people he wants in place? Do we give them because in today's world, everyone's so impatient. You know, years ago, it used to be like, eh, you got to give this player a year or two to develop. That doesn't seem the case anymore. So is it, is it six months? Is it four games? Is it a season? What do you think it is? Yeah, uh, look, uh, I think there's obviously a huge difference between those two, right? I mean, Doc Rivers, for whatever reason, uh, the Bucks decided to make the change when they did, and now he's trying to implement the system in the middle of the season as opposed to Jeff Halfley, who, you know, is his, his family is still back in Boston. So he's basically living at Lodge Kohler, uh, driving one minute across the street to Lambeau Field and going to his office and just grinding every day. So he's got plenty of time uh, to figure out who's on his roster, who he needs more, you know, what kind of players he needs in this system, et cetera. Um, and he's going to have all of the off-season, all of training camp, all the preseason games. You know, it was interesting that last year Lafleur went to playing more guys in preseason, right? He had mm-hmm. gone from being the guy who rested everybody and their brother to playing guys in preseason games. And I would predict that he will do that with many of his defensive players so they can get more experience. I'm sure they'll have a couple of joint practices with different teams as well, but I'm sure they're going to do that so they can get even more work with this new system. So I, I would I would think this is very different, and I think the expectation should be that while they may not hit the ground running, that, that once the season starts, they would at least um, hit the ground, I guess, briskly walking, like that Olympic walking where people are walking really fast with that weird waddle style, Power and walking. then maybe going into a full sprint after that. Yeah, it's all about the hips, Jason. you got to have those flexible hips to do the, uh, yeah, the Olympic speed walking. Hips. Shout out to oh, Chubbs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. She had it. R.I.P. I pour one out. Um, 
Jason, the other thing that Halfley talked about yesterday was the relationship-building aspect that he wants to do. How difficult is that during an NFL offseason, given the limited contact that they can have with players? Yeah, they, they, you know, they won't obviously have the, again, back when Dewey and Don Hudson were coming to the offseason pro. I mean, Chewy, am I remembering this correctly? Didn't you guys have like a a mini camp in like Arizona? Yeah, because they were building the Hudson in your Center. Career? Yeah, they were yeah. building the Hudson Center. Yeah, like spring training, you guys uh, were hitting fungos, and then you were going out and running pass patterns. But I, look, I, I think that the reason why I thought that was imp- and and I thought the answer was really interesting. But as I mentioned in in one of my questions. I, uh, I have a buddy who covers the 49ers that I've known for a really long time, and and he did something back in 2018 that I thought was really cool, and I would have I would love to do this for us if I could get the Packers to make their assistant coaches more available to us than they do. He did a podcast with every one of their position coaches, and so when they hired Halfley, I went back and listened to the one he did with Jeff, and Jeff Halfley talked about coaching. Darrell Rivas at Pitt in college and then coaching him again in Tampa. And he talked about how much, how important it was to him to listen to players and learn from players. And he rattled off yesterday when I asked him about this, a bunch of other players that he's coached, including Richard Sherman. And the reason why I thought it was Jermaine is that if there was one thing that Joe Barry, who is a, incredibly nice man everybody liked him as a dude um but if there's one thing that it seemed he had a shortcoming at besides having guys play eight yards off the line of scrimmage when it's third and five uh was that he didn't really have much interest in players input right i mean we saw the jair stuff we heard other players talk about it and i'm very curious to see how much Jeff Halfley wants their feedback and their input because what he had said in that podcast and what he said yesterday was that he's he's learned far more from players than he's learned from other coaches and that he, he really believes in that relationship. Now, that's easy to say on February 22nd, but let's see if he's able to do it and if he does, how it works because there's also a slippery slope there, right? Like, you, you you have to be able to put your foot down at times and say, no, even though you want to do this, this is what we're going to do, and here's why this is better. And if he's able to do that, that will indicate that he does have those types of relationships. Last thing for you, Jason, I'm calling Jeff Halfley El Jefe, like El Jefe, but with Jeff. Can I get an endorsement on that or no? Um... Why? Why are you answering for him? Give him a moment. He wanted to think about it. I think think the moment answered. Shocked it was so bad. (laughs) I think the moment answered for you there. You rendered him speechless. uh, That's sometimes that's a good thing. Not on a radio show. Not using. Yeah, I was definitely not using that pause. (laughs) <laughs> to think about what were you life. doing? You were trying to like uh, rolling his I eyes. Emphasize, <laughs> I wanted to emphasize just how horrible. <laughs> I think you were considering <laughs> it. That's what was happening there. Or you just wanted to let me down easy. You were like, ah, oh, let's see. How could I delicately no, I, put this? I wanted to, 
Oh, I definitely didn't want to do that either. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, everybody. Take care. Be good. He's Jason Wilde. You can hear him on Wilde and Tausch right after Jen, Gabe, and Chewy each and every weekday. Got to take a break. We've got Craig Karmazin coming up next here on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Stick around. Doesn't matter Never what age you up. are, low testosterone can be an issue with any guy. That's where Mentality comes in, local healthcare facility specifically dedicated to helping men feel and perform at their very best. That's why I use Mentality. Maybe you're tired, groggy. You just don't feel like yourself. Don't have that energy to get, not even just get through, but attack the day the way you used to be able to. Those could be signs of low testosterone. And with Mentality, they can help you with that. You book an appointment, lowtusa.com. Go through their process, get a blood panel done. Within a week, your results are back to you. And if your testosterone levels are low, like mine were, you can start a customized testosterone treatment plan just for you. That's what I love about Mentality. It's it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. They want to make sure that your levels are where they need to be for you. So go to LowTUSA.com. Mentality allows treatment to fit into every guy's lifestyle. Learn more about Mentality at LowTUSA.com. It's Friday, and that means it's time to check in with GKB President Craig Karmazin. I am so impressed with, uh, with Jordan Love, you know, and I think, like, Packers fans should feel so good about Jordan Love. Fridays with Mo. I think Rodgers never spoke out and was direct, and Giannis should be praised for being clear so that everyone knows, hey, Giannis told the organization what he wanted. Craig Karmazin on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. to chat with El Jefe. Can I use it there at least, El Jefe there? No. Yes, he's El Jefe. The chief, the boss. Craig, the guys are giving me a hard time because I was calling Jeff Halfley El Jefe. Yeah, I think that's very on brand for you. Like the cheesy <laughs> pun. Um, my favorite thing of the week was like Gabe's like, you know, if you're going to just come to this city and complain about the weather then you know what? I'd rather not have you here. Yeah. Chewie's like, well, yeah, right now I'm in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up I feel like that us. just kind of slid by. Well, wait, so let's <laughs> let's start there with you then, because it did feel like the, the NBA threw in these arbitrary rules about the All-Star game just a few days. I'm not saying they threw them in then, but that's when we found out about them. Just a few days after Chris Hayes had that report that Milwaukee had put a bid in or was planning to put a bid in for the 2026-2027 All-Star game. And it does feel, I think Joshy made a great point yesterday like the nba is unnecessarily creating a haves versus have-nots your thoughts yeah i I think we'll see what happens right i don't think it's a surprise that the bucks want an nba all-star game i think from the day a shovel went in the ground at pfizer forum the bucks wanted an all-star game and the fact that there hasn't been one you know when you have a new arena in the first year or two or three or four meant not just that I think they were behind and had to take care of other cities, right? Because other cities have had it more recently than Milwaukee. It's that there was a belief that Milwaukee didn't have everything they felt was necessary to be able to execute on this. So I'm not caught up on those kind of arbitrary numbers and things like that. I think if you see really good execution of the RNC and you can continue to see Milwaukee execute and development around properties, which, you know, I hear reports of hotels going up and things like that. I think there will be an all-star game. Craig, what was your take on J.J. Reddick's comments about 
uh, Doc Rivers in regards to always passing the buck and never taking the blame? Well, so first of all, do you guys know what happened on April 17th, 2021? April 17th, 2021. What are you doing? What, what are you doing? You're trying to, you think you're so encyclopedic that you're going to be able to pull a random date out of thin air? Well, well, the reason I asked, I was wondering if like people on on X have been talking about this. Well, the game is really trying here. I think that's what I'm trying to get to. He's well, I'm really I, trying. Not, not specifically like, April 27. No, instead of being like, "No, Craig, what happened?" Like this is when someone says, "Knock, knock." You don't actually try to figure out who's there. Yeah, I mean, you just go along with it. It's 2024, Jen. you got to be certain about before you open that door who you're opening it for. <laughs> Gabe's ruining every <laughs> children's joke from here to the end of time. Yeah, and, and when I say I didn't know if people are talking about on X, I meant on the platform, not people like on X. Or like <laughs> on um, so I, I don't know if I figured something out. Oh, I think he figured something out. Yeah, they, he's they just cut him what off. a tease. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> he's got some big, like, reveal here, and somebody, a higher power, doesn't want him to reveal whatever that is. What is the date that he mentioned? April 20 what? No, 17th. April 17th, birthday. I'm like, who did she get in a fight with in 2021? <laughs> I mean, can you actually keep track of that at this point? No. <laughs> Any idea, Gabe? April 17th. April 17th. Is that the year they won it all? Oh, it says Elon Musk to the moon. That can't Did be he it. No, he didn't that go can't to the be moon. it. Everything yeah, to the back, moon. By the way. Oh, okay. Craig, go ahead and tell us as we were actually trying to Google and guess what happened on that <laughs> yes, date. It was that Elon Musk went to the moon. And now today, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Milwaukee Bucks on April 17, 2021. And at that point, the Milwaukee Bucks record was 35 and 21. Pretty wild. Right, the Milwaukee Bucks just lost to the Memphis Grizzlies, and their record sits at thirty-five and twenty-one. And we know what happened in the twenty-twenty-one season, and in that year, it was only a seventy-two-game season. So from this point on, there were only sixteen games to figure it out with a thirty-five and twenty-one record. Whereas this year, there's an additional ten games to figure it out. So I just think like we should have some grace in recognizing that this core, obviously with Dame Lillard added and Drew Holiday out, was able to take this same record in a very similar situation and turned it into a historic, you know, first time in 50-year championship season. But this feels like there's more drama now. I mean, Doc Rivers just called them out for saying half of them are in Cabo, half of them are on the court. I mean, I didn't feel that back in 21. Yeah, I, you guys were. I remember Jen legitimately saying, "Like we have to make a list of things that we could actually be happy about with this team. What are things we could actually be happy about, and what are things we could look at as progress? Because this team is is so underperforming. You know, it's not the number one seed that it's been every year, and this team is so different, and it's not good anymore. Like, do you remember that, Jen? I mean, I don't know that I said that they weren't good anymore, but I do remember saying we need to figure out how to consume the rest of the season and figure out what we can kind of uh, rally around, right? I do remember mm-hmm. having yes. that conversation. Yes. Way more fair than how I categorized it's your... totally uh, fine. Your, your, what you said. But, come, come up I with mean, better that... nicknames and he'll better, you know, describe <laughs> what you say. Assassinating my character this <laughs> yeah. morning. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Dame... I mean, so Dame brings another level of scrutiny 
right, when you have an extra superstar, right? You have Giannis, who was a superstar who had never won a championship. Now you have a superstar who's won two MVPs and a finals MVP in a championship. And you have Dame Lillard, right? So you have the guy who's won a Saturday thing and won the All-Star MVP, the first since Michael Jordan. There's just so much more scrutiny on this team. But the record's exactly where it was in the championship season. Craig, why do you think it takes... Typically, it takes a season. When when two players like Giannis and Dame come together, usually it takes a season for them to figure out. Why does it take that full season for them to kind of figure out what works best? Because I think back to when LeBron and D. Wade were together. They didn't win a championship the first year. LeBron's second year in Los Angeles is when they won a championship there as well. Why does it take kind of some time for two stars to try to figure out what works best? Are you talking about Anthony Davis in L.A.? Yes, Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it will take two years, but I think the idea that it's going to happen in 20 games or 30 games, and Dame's been very outspoken about, you know, what's gone on for him life-wise, right? Like, he talked about it on Thanalysis, on Thanasis' podcast. Like, he was used to having his entire family living a block away and, like, seeing his kids, you know, every second of the day. And then for the first time in his adult life, he has to move and get traded and go to a totally different place. And so these guys are human. And so it's not just the on the court adjustments, it's the off the court adjustments and then adjusting to multiple coaches and adjusting to being the alpha dog your whole life. And now all of a sudden you're the second best player on the team, but you still have to think of yourself as the best player in the world. If you're going to be Dame Lillard, right? Like there's so much going on with this. And the expectation that it would all just be there and they'd. I don't know what keeps happening. Did we lose him again? Is yes. Craig not aware that yesterday was supposed to be the day everybody had bad cell service? He had FOMO. So he's like doing it today. That's what happened. He had FOMO that he didn't have the outage. Because I do want to ask Craig about the comments that Giannis made about it being Dame Lillard's team. I wonder what Craig's opinion on that is. You know, I was listening to. Um, uh, what did I tell you guys I was listening to yesterday? Ian Fitzsimmons. Yes. Who was talking um, on his radio show, and they were talking about those comments about saying it was Dame Lillard's team. And Amber, his his co-host, was like, Giannis is becoming unlikable. Like, when you say things like that, and the obvious reaction to it is, that's bull. Like, what are you trying to do? Why are you trying to pull the wool over our eyes? Giannis, this will always be your team. Dame is kind of an accompaniment. He's obviously an addition to it. But was he trying to kind of encourage Dame Lillard by saying that? Because that that raised a lot of eyebrows, Gabe. I thought that's what it was. I guess, I mean, after reading that article, I didn't think anything of it. Because trying to make more Dame more comfortable, yeah. And everything Giannis said made sense. Yeah, this is Dame's team, too. I mean, maybe if he, if he put two in at the end, would everybody feel better? Because Dame is the guy they need in the final five minutes of a game. Like, they need Dame in order to take over. That's why he was brought in. So Dame needs to be a leader as well. I guess that's what I think that Giannis meant in those comments. And again, maybe I'm just making excuses because I like Giannis, but also like English isn't his, you know, English is his second language. It's not his primary language. So if he, if he misses a word like two at the end of something, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt of that's what I thought he meant. But is he trying to make Dame into a rah-rah guy when he's clearly not? Dame's personality to me is like, okay, I just want to lead by example I'm not the rah-rah guy. I'm not out in front of the team. He just seems very cerebral. And was Giannis saying, Dame, I need more of that? 
Because that's is, well, am I right or what, wrong? Is that him? That's not him, right? I'll tell you what Amber Wilson's take on it was, and I know we don't have the audio of it because we're just uh, waiting to see if we can get Craig Karmazin back. Um, Amber Wilson's take on it was that he was deflecting and putting passing the buck essentially, so that if the team underperforms, he said, "Well, hey, it's not my team anymore. Uh, it's Dame's team." I, now. I don't think that's what Giannis is doing. Either. I just don't. Like, based on everything Giannis has done, like, Giannis has been head forward. I think trying to make your teammates somebody that you obviously like and care for more comfortable because, again, Dame, Portland was Dame's team 100%. Everybody knew it. And you got to figure out those dynamics. Like, going back to the Miami example, those Miami teams always used to be D Wade's teams. They became LeBron's teams when he was there. And you're trying to figure out that dynamic of, okay, how do we get this done? I think that's what the Bucks are doing. Yes, it's still Giannis's team, but he's trying to make Dame more comfortable in being one of those leaders, be still being one of those voices in the locker room. Put it on the poll for me, Joshy. When Giannis says this is Dame Lillard's team, do you believe him? Question mark. Yes or no. Very simple. Uh, it doesn't sound like we're going to get Craig Karmazin back, but I will tell you about Aria, the acclaimed restaurant inside St. Kate the Arts Hotel. Guys, it is Friday night. Maybe you're looking for something to do. Maybe you want to get out on the town. Why not check out Aria, which is nestled on the second floor of St. Kate. It's an artful dining experience that captivates with its culinary creativity, delights in its offering of artisanal American cuisine, transcending tradition, leaning into the realm of playful and inventive flavors. Come and experience the magic of Aria, where every bite is a work of culinary artistry. You can learn more and make reservations at Aria at stkate.com. That's stkate.com. Aria at stkate.com. It's Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. I mean, pumpkin seeds. No, no, no. Um, little, little suckers. They might be. What did you say before, Jen? Sesame, sesame but those seeds. are white. Like, yeah. No, white. these aren't white. No, no. This isn't on the outside. This is on the inside. Seeds on the inside. Oh, yeah. so you've got some sort of like... Scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> on 94.5 ESPN. With a little local Milwaukee team... Fifth Third Bank knows what success looks like. They've been serving businesses and individuals in the area for nearly 15 years, including a long-standing commitment to the healthcare industry. From expansion to technology to reducing the risk of fraud, Fifth Third offers a full suite of financial services and solutions across the healthcare spectrum to meet the complex moments you're navigating. Fifth Third Bank, National Association, custom solutions built around your goals. Member FDIC. We put it on the Jen Gabe and Chewy Twitter poll. When Giannis says the Bucks are Dame Lillard's team, do you believe him? Go ahead and weigh in on that. It was a big conversation. We talked about Eric Name's article in The Athletic a few days ago. Giannis very revealing, very candid with Eric Name, as he often is. But that was something that raised a lot of eyebrows around the country. I saw a lot of people talking about that again, saying, what is Giannis doing? Why would he say on a team he has now been on for a decade plus that it's all of a sudden the new guy's team? And your reaction, Gabe, is just throwing out the welcome mat. Yeah, I think he's trying to make Dame comfortable. I think there's been, and Craig brought it up, I mean, Dame's been going through a lot personally, you know, and that's, it's cost him this couple of games trying to figure out that, trying to figure out navigating life in a new city after being in Portland for all those years. I think Giannis is, hey, this is your team too. I think that's what he's trying to say. I don't think Giannis is trying to escape responsibility if this whole thing doesn't work out. That doesn't seem Giannis-like to me. I think he's just trying to make Dane more comfortable so they can have a good final 25 games, 26 games 
so they can hit, you know, feel good about where they're at hitting the postseason. So why didn't he say it though? Because go back to '96. Whose team was that? It was Brett's. Ah, uh, his Brett and Reggie's. Okay, but uh, Ooh, I also a good example though. But I also feel it's different in football too, right? Like why? Well, because the offense and defense are pretty separated. Uh, yeah, okay. I see your point there. <laughs> it's very true. But before, but before he torpedoed it, <laughs> what were you trying to say to you? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just saying, why didn't he say, What the hell's going on? <laughs> Chewy's cameras all over the place. Sorry. Got to get that tropical paradise you know, framed up properly in the background. I couldn't feel my leg. It was pulling on the cord. Um, what the hell were we talking about? <laughs> No, I'm, just, why didn't he happened. say oh, why, why, it's both our teams? Because well, he's being nice? Well, I think that, again, as good as Giannis is at speaking the language, when he's giving lengthy interviews, English is his second language. So if he misses a word here and there, so instead of saying, hey, it's Dame's team too, I am, again, fully, fully own that I am projecting here, but I think he meant this is Dame's team Two, but being, you know, English being a second language, I think he just forgot to add that word. Also, is it just implied that obviously it's Giannis's team, but also, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but I think it's possible that everyone kind of knows it's Giannis's team already. Could this not work? Oh, 100%. Yeah, true, and I think that's what a lot of people are sort of starting to come to the realization of, is like... You can pull all of these big personalities, these talented people together, and it could still not result in a Larry O'Brien. It could not result in a championship. And I think that's why when we asked the question the other day about your panic level, there's a lot of people, I believe the results were the majority of people were stressed. Now, yada, yada, yada was next, but wasn't freaking out, but a lot of people are stressed. Have because the expectations there, but, are, and I know, Gabe, you say that you don't think it is this season, but I think for a lot of people, the expectations are if you have Giannis on the team, you have to win a title. And I know it's the NBA and guys can force their way out whenever. And you know, I, I think there have been people who, you know, unsportsmanlike is guilty of this, trying to, you know, fearmonger a little bit of, oh, I think Dame can force his way out after this year. Dame made a commitment to Milwaukee. Giannis made a commitment to Milwaukee. They both signed extensions. The extensions run through the same time. I don't think that this is a one-year experiment and then suddenly you're going to be done. I, I think... Everybody involved is still going to be here next season. So it's not like, this is it. This is the only window you have. Pressure's on right now. I think they still have a year after this to try to figure it out before Dame and Giannis wonder if it's time to blow it up. Yeah, but doesn't what Giannis said lead you to believe that maybe Dame's not happy here? If he's just trying to include them and be nice it's, and it's your team So there's too. a lot of nuance there, too, and I think that's a really interesting point. There's a lot of nuance there because, again, remember, Dame didn't want to come to Milwaukee, right? We have to remember that at the beginning. His preferred destination was Miami, mm-hmm. and then that obviously didn't work out. Now, that's not to say that he was like, you know, he's throwing a temper tantrum or he's petulant about it. Certainly a professional. He's worked his way and warmed up to the situation he is in. But I think we have to recall that, like, kind of got forced into this. I also think that the personal issues Dame's going through play a lot into this as well. I mean, moving moving cities, going through a divorce, not being able to see your kids and your family the way you were yeah, used sure. to. Like yeah. that's that's a lot of change happening in a short period of time. And a lot of big change happening in a short period of time. So I think any unhappiness 
Yeah, maybe he eventually goes, yeah, it's Milwaukee's fault. But I think any unhappiness also kind of relates to the personal situation he's going through, Mm -hmm. which is understandable. All right, we're going to kick off the second hour of Jen, Gabe, and Chewy talking bats and balls. The kind you can see through the player's pants. That's next.